0: Welcome to beautiful Austin, Texas and ESPN's F1 podcast, Unlap Tyler Denning here, Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson. Guys, welcome to my backyard. Welcome to the Lone Star State here in Austin for what should be a remarkable weekend.
1: Thanks, dude. Yeah, great to be here. I mean, this, I think Lawrence and I always agree, one of the, one of the best, if not the best, places we come to. Great city, venue's amazing. People are great fun. You took us down to Rainy Street last night, which is which is awesome. <laughs> you guys um, were already there. We were already there. I mean, you just guided us in the right direction. But, yeah, uh, just a fantastic place to come.
2: Um, and I think if
1: if I could only pick one, if someone said you can only do one race a year, it would be this one.
2: Yeah, and especially now that we've got two more races in the United States. We've got Miami. We've got Las Vegas. And this one just feels like a proper motor race. You know, it feels like it's for the fans. You get huge crowds. here. I don't know what we're expecting uh, this weekend, but it's always over 100,000, 120 thirty. And um, it just has an atmosphere unlike the others. The others feel like they're full VIPs. They feel very kind of manufactured into these uh, events just with huge spectacular light shows and all this kind of stuff. Austin doesn't need it. It's just Austin. And I've been coming here since 2012 and the place has changed a lot, as you you well know. (laughs) Um, But... Still, it still feels like home for F1 in the United States.
0: Yeah, with the iconic Austin Motel here on South Congress. But, you know, to your point, this is 11 races, I believe. It was Austin that brought Grand Prix racing back to the United States. What's your favorite part about coming to this race in this city? You mentioned the blue-collar nature of, you know, it really taps into the racing fans. But what do you like about the city? What do you like about the race? I think the best thing about it is if, if you made a checklist of what is a great
1: venue for a race i think it ticks everything the circuit's fantastic the fans i mean the, the the atmosphere over the last few years and lawrence is right you know we've had miami come in but i think it'd be very brave call for anyone to say that this place doesn't have a better atmosphere <laughs> than miami you know and you feel you feel like it's a trip to austin and it's a trip to the, the race miami is a bit far removed from there uh people are, yeah it's just it's it's just a great place And i think what's what's great about it is there were years when austin we didn't know if it would stay on the calendar mm-hmm. and it has got better and better and Bobby Epstein who's the the head of the race here has done a fantastic job you know F1's had this incredible moment at the moment uh, in America but the bedrock of it here is still Cota and I think that that's a testament to everything they've done there um, obviously we've got Vegas coming in but I think that th- that's obviously going to be a huge kind of jewel in F1's crown for a little bit but this one I think if, if you ask a hardcore racing fan and a hardcore F1 fan what's your favourite event in America it'd be here and I think that I mean the whole keep austin weird thing i love (laughs) i've not i've not seen i the the first thing i saw i went into a pub and there was a giant like rabbit or jackalope i think it was just in the jackalope. yeah in 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 the doorway there and i think that austin embraces that very well but it embraces formula one in the same way so
2: it just feels very authentically austin it's brilliant and and let's talk about the circuit as well because um it's it is a really fantastic racing circuit uh, I asked Max Stappen when we were in Suzuka, he did that amazing qualifying lap. A lot of that was down to sector one, which is just sweeping S's. I said, is there anywhere that compares? And he said, well, probably Austin. Is, 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 you know that, that sector at the start of, uh, start of the lap here is the only thing that really kind of comes close to Suzuka. You don't have the jeopardy because you have big runoff areas, and that was one thing he noted. But otherwise, it is, it is fantastic, and you get good rating. You get places yeah. you can overtake. Um, we've seen fantastic uh, passing on that double right-hander underneath the tower. Uh, I can't remember exact corner names now. But um, you know, you, you get it everywhere. So it's um it's a really cool place to come and visit and I think the drivers appreciate that. Yeah, and turn one is
1: fantastic. Iconic as well. uphill. You've got that left turn, you've always got somebody forcing somebody else wide there. A lot of jeopardy into it and you don't have that a lot of circuits. Sometimes turn one can be quite tame. So it really is. If you look I know um people talk about new circuits not being great, but this is one of the newer ones that really it was perfect for racing, and um, you compare it. To, I mean, people have looked at like the Vegas circuit to use that comparison again, <laughs> and obviously they're constricted to what they can do there, but it doesn't look as good. So they've done a really spot-on job with that.
0: I don't know if you guys walked the track. I've biked the track, and that that run up to turn yeah. one that is a steep uphill. Yeah. I
1: I've run it in, yeah, in we my we fitter days. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, and that hill. There's only one other place or two other places on the calendar that are as steep as that. Uh, au rouge obviously in belgium mm-hmm. and then turn three in austria when you go up the hill and it's much steeper than it looks on tv I've got to say and the
2: downside with that if you're running is it's right at the start
1: of the
3: run <laughs> so yeah. you're destroyed yeah. by yeah. turn one and <laughs> you just
2: got another it's all downhill
1: of, from there another yeah. three miles or so well, to go. you know you to think about. it's
2: all downhill from there then you get about halfway
1: around you realize it goes up again because mm-hmm. it because it, it, it's on so, that back stretch yeah yeah bit. so you you end up you think you're going to have a second wind and it just kills you. So, um, yeah, that, that, that caught me out. I think you warned me about it before I ran a few years ago and I didn't listen to him and I wish I had like coming up through the final sector back up hill again. But, um, but yeah, it's a uh, pretty, pretty iconic.
0: Yeah, this is the race to be at. I think we would agree for U.S. fans. If you're mm. new to the sport, just getting into the sport, if you want to come to a race, this is this is the one. You get a lot of those flavors of not just F1, but of the city. It all blends together. And to, to the point you were making earlier, it has some history. This race has has been for a long time. You go back to 2012, Lewis Hamilton won here. Vettel has won here. They're great names over the last decade plus. Kimmy's, Kimmy's awesome. lost win as well. was Absolutely. That? Yeah. So make sure, if you guys like what we're doing here. Like, subscribe to Unlapped and stay tuned to the ESPN digital channels because you had mentioned the Coda Tower. We're actually going to ascend the Coda Tower, much to the fear. Of Nate and I here, yeah, that's David, be... our, our our producers, gonna send us up there to bring you pre-race action. Yeah, this is this to that?
1: this could be as composed as I am all weekend. That's gonna really that's gonna really test my fear of heights. But um, as long as we're not too near the edge, I think we'll be all right, right?
0: Yeah, that that will be the the drama for us. Let's <laughs> talk Lone Star. This season has had a Lone Star in nice. Max Verstappen, but there's been tons of drama lately around Red Bull. Helmet Marco Checo Perez. We're hearing a lot of big names that could or could not potentially be with Red Bull. What are you guys hearing? What's your take on all the noise around Red Bull?
1: It's, it's a difficult one to actually make sense of because on paper, Perez is safe. He's got a, he's got a contract through the next season. Red Bull have said that publicly for as long as you can remember this season they've said Perez is going to be there but these rumors refuse to go away and in formula 1 often with things like this there's no smoke without fire these things mm-hmm. come from somewhere and we mentioned it on the last episode of um, of Unlapped the tone around Perez has shifted slightly it's shifted slightly over the over the past kind of three races they were always very positive and saying, we know how good he is, etc. But Christian Horner in Qatar, when we spoke to him, he said, we're desperate for Perez to do better because obviously they need him, they want him to get second in the championship. And you just feel that the the tone is slightly becoming a bit more pressure-filled for him. Uh, obviously, they've got Danny Rick now, who's coming back this weekend. A lot of fanfare around that. He's obviously come back and has looked like his old self again. Liam Lawson's made that situation very interesting. There's a guy that, if they did promote Ricardo. They've got a guy that could probably step in. So I don't know, and and there were rumors all over social media this past week. Oh. Not sure, not sure how how valid those were, but it it started. <laughs> Thanks, a bit, F1 Reddit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I you know, it, it's always difficult to, to, to know, but it was a huge talking point, and it got a lot of people speculating about it. Um, and I think the thing is, I think if Perez doesn't get second, it's a, it might be an open question yep. in the um, you know at the end of the season. And if there's any team on the grid that's going to make a call that that drastically and that suddenly, Red Bull have done it time and time again. So I think until we see Sergio Perez lining up at the first race of next season in the Red Bull, I think it's going to be something that at least feels like there's a, a a possibility they could get rid of him before that. I still don't think they will, but, you know, anything, anything is possible. And given how bad he's been, I think you, you've got to consider it being a thing there. Um, and, yeah,
2: I, he's just not done himself any favors. So... We'll yeah, I mean, you say there's no smoke about fire, but the fire's pretty obvious, right? It's, it's, <laughs> well, check yeah. those results. Yeah, the yeah, fire yeah. is burning. It's a dumpster, dumpster fire. fire. Dumpster, dumpster fire. fire, dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, so uh, in, until he sorts it out, and, and it has been said, and although it doesn't actually mean anything, but second place in the drivers' standings. Um, no one really wants to finish there, because obviously everyone wants to be champion, but Red Bull have never had a one-two, uh, their lead driver first, their second driver second in the championship. And they really do quite want it. So all those years of uh, Sebastian Vessel and Mark Webber never happened. Uh, all of Max Verstappen's really teammates. Yeah, crazy to uh, you think know, about all the long yeah, history Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Red Bull, never a one-two.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so um, it, it's something they're chasing. And at the moment, it, it, it looks like it, it could fall away from them, because Lewis Hamilton is uh i think he's 30 or no 25 points behind he's got he's gained 30 points the last three races or so on on checo so you know he's closing in and on on this trajectory at the moment with checo performing where he is it's not quite enough but again as as we said previously if you can't perform in austin and mexico you know mexico's home race that's that's going to be a big pressure point for him i think and um it will be really telling to see whether he rises to it or, or whether he, he falls away. Well,
0: it, this feels like a home race for Checo Perez. Yeah, we, we are not is. far from Mexico City. So many fans come from Mexico up to Austin to support Checo. So he will have the full force behind him. You you mentioned that tight race with Lewis Hamilton. He had such an opportunity, Checo did, in the last race with Lewis going out first lap. But Checo, bad luck, bad decision, whatever you attribute it to. But I, I would say for me one of the most intriguing storylines this week is Checo Perez. He has uh, one or two has to be in the cards.
1: I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you're right. I mean, I remember 2021, uh, especially the fanfare around Perez here was huge. It did feel like that that home race for him. And yeah, I mean, if he doesn't do it here, Mexico, I think everybody's dream is that he wins that race. I yeah. mean, it would be I'm annoyingly not going to Mexico uh, next week, Um, but I think Perez winning there could be one of the special moments. Yeah, Lawrence, lucky man. And I think that it, you know, it it goes without saying when you're in Mexico, he's a superstar over there. You know, in the way that not not a lot of people actually kind of realise unless you go there. So. Lawrence is right, you know, if he can't motivate himself for these two races, if he can't get a performance. If you're Red Bull, you look at that and you think, well, when is this guy going yeah. to do it? This is And it. we've seen McLaren, you know, since Austrian Grand Prix when they introduced their upgrade, they're coming fast for, you know, maybe they won't get there next year, but that's got to be in the back of their heads. A the full season of McLaren with their two drivers being consistent. If Perez is like this next season, that might open the door for something unexpected in the Constructors' Championship. So, yeah, a lot of things for them to think about and um, yeah, it's it's... I think you're right. That's the one thing a lot of people are looking at this season, uh, and those rumors have probably helped sell the Austin race better than better than any could.
0: Uh, you talk other rumors, the other Red Bull drama, the power plays going on within Red Bull. Helmet Marco, who's who's always been. Kind of this this figure within red bull but having to be asked about his contract coming out and saying hey i have a contract through next year i saw in his interview he had given he referred to christian horner as mr horner so <laughs> what, what, what's your reading of the tea leaves amongst that dynamic we know with, with helmet there was that relationship with digit mattresses that was going back to last year in austin that we actually had heard the news that he had passed away but no longer there is there some power dynamics within Red Bull at a higher level right now.
2: I mean, there, there absolutely is, and I think there has been uh, for, for a very long time. And, and sometimes that can work, that can have, you know, two sides of the team, as long as they're pulling in the, in the same direction, more or less, is a good thing. And it can be a check and a balance. But um, it does seem like uh, Marco increasingly, I mean, t- sadly, since uh, Maschnitz's uh, death, um, ha- has found himself in a position where perhaps he doesn't have the power, the backing, uh, you know, the, the guy right at the very top. Um, looking after him that they used to have, and um, and then there is a question. You know, if you look at uh, the main thing that Ma- uh, sorry that um, Marco's been uh, tasked with over the years, which is the young driver scheme. Well, if you look at it right now. we have got Perez, who was never a Red Bull driver coming through struggling as uh as, as max verstappen's teammate you've got uh, daniel ricardo coming back having spent some time away you know uh, leaving the whole red bull program and you've got yuki Tsunoda, who is uh, really a um, you know a honda driver that's the reason that he's there uh, liam lawson of course is, uh, is impressed in the races he's there but you know but that, that that's it that, that that's the tip of, of the iceberg of the red bull driver program now they will point to max verstappen and say look you know as long as we've got someone like max it's kind of like just filling in the other <laughs> the other seats, but um, and and I think that that is the very other interesting thing is how close Max is to Marco and uh, and the amount of power that Max has in that team as well uh, and his father Jos um, and and that whole camp and they are very they are very tightly knit. Um, where, they have been
0: together going back to to Max's mm. early teen years. There there's been a lot of loyalty. Actually, within that interview, Helmet Marco had made reference. He said loyalty still. Means something, but that relationship is going back almost two decades. Well, well,
2: right, and, and, and when Max made that decision to go with Red Bull, the other option was Mercedes and Toto Wolff, <laughs> and and they, they, they were alternate universe. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you, they, you know, they they, you they they had a number of a number of conversations. There. Um, one I think was at, at Toto's house as well, and it got to a point. But the problem that Mercedes had back then is that they didn't have somewhere they could offer Max in, in Formula 1. They only had one team and they had Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton uh, dr- driving for that team, whereas Red Bull could always offer Toro Rosso. And so um, I think, uh, yeah, um, Marco at the time just looked at Max. He's like, we've got to get this guy. We've got to put him in a car. You know, he was uh, he was testing it in, uh, in Brazil sideways. You think he was right? <laughs> all right, well, yeah. <laughs> jury's still out, man. Jury's but, still he, out. <laughs> he took
0: a lot on that when Max came in. Max at the time, not even old enough to have a driver's license, but he took a lot of heat mm. from that, from other drivers, from other team principals, but I, I, I think he was right.
1: I think so, and, and Lawrence is spot on with all that, and actually, when you look back to what was happening at the start of this year, you can see the power dynamic in play. When Nick DeVries was out at AlphaTauri, yeah. it was very telling that Marco said quite specifically like christian horner wanted this guy in um i did not <laughs> yeah 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 and um i did not want him in and you know i've been proven right and i feel like you look back at that now it's almost helmet kind of reestablished reasserting his authority there and saying look i still know what i'm doing here you know whether whether that's right or not but that was an interesting thing to throw into the mix and as soon as as soon as de Vries started performing badly marco was very anti him and um yeah it 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 the Ricardo thing is interesting as well. I wasn't. I wasn't completely sure how pro Ricardo Marco's been. Him coming back, I feel like he's felt maybe there's a threat there internally if if, if they put him back to Verstappen again. Um, so that might help Perez in the long run. But yeah, Marco definitely. Um, scrambling around a bit to protect himself and he hasn't done himself any favors with the comments he's made obviously no you know had to apologize a few weeks ago for comments about about perez and that's the biggest issue for Red Bull from a marketing point of view is after every race there's a bigger brand yeah Yeah, absolutely and marco i mean we've seen it haven't we after every race basically he holds court with every (laughs) every german journalist he can find and he'll just say something outrageous and that works if you've got the backing at the top but i don't think he has that now and it's a lot easier if you make a rod know for yourself to be um, to uh, to be removed so that's gonna be one to follow and I think to be honest with you I think Red Bull without Marco it's hard to imagine that happening but it's much easier to imagine it happening now that matter is no longer you know is no longer around Um, so I still can't see it happening but there is a lot going on behind the scenes at Red Bull and I think that Marco is right in the center
2: of it we should all kind of should clarify this a bit because I remember when Mercedes were dominating and mm. basically journalists were running out of stories at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. There was... Uh, Looking there, for something? The, 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 there, was, was there, we ought yeah. to have something to talk the, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 there was one that was planted by a rival team principal. You probably guess who. <laughs> that, uh, Toto <laughs> Wolff and Nicky Lauda had fallen out completely and they were no longer talking and the team was in disarray. Uh, this would have been about 2017, 2018. Who was that? Um, who, who, could that yeah, be? Who, who, who would <laughs> yeah. spread a rumor like that? So we've anyway, seen this play out of the playbook before. Yeah, exactly. on Opposite side. The, the, the next day, Lauda and Toto walked into the paddock holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> had a bunch of photographers lined up, and uh, yeah, and so you know th- these things do pop up a little bit when there's yeah. there's not stuff going on. But uh, there's no doubt, and uh, you know I think even you know everyone at Red Bull is, is fully aware of it that there is and always has been this power struggle between uh, Christian Horner team principal and Helmut Marko advisor, but someone who's, you know, who's calling a lot of shots at that team. Mm. All
0: right, handicap this thing before we move on. Next season starts, the probability that both Checo Perez and Helmut Marko are still within the Red Bull team. Is this 100% guaranteed or where yet, you at? Mate, I'm not 100% guaranteed on that at all. Uh, I think it's much
1: less likely Perez is there. But the both of them—that's a great question. I don't know about handicap. I'm not sure what, um, <laughs> what figures to use. Odds. <laughs> yeah. uh, pff, I'm not very good with odds. I, I I I never gamble for this reason. But I would say, I would say fifty. Let's let's go with probability.
0: If it was a weather forecast, would you say probability, high probability? Of I rain? would
1: say low, uh, high to medium <laughs> probability. I don't think it's. I don't think know if it's you'd a make a good no. I, <laughs> I man. This is the only thing I can do. <laughs> this is it, and you're seeing why. Um, no, but I think
0: I think the smart money still says that's going to happen but there's doubt there's doubt in that equation definitely if checko finishes second do you think the whole the whole band's back together run it back
2: i i think there's still a huge amount of pressure but remember it's it's one year that they can run out on that contract and i think uh, uh, you know, th- their big question is what are what's McLaren bringing? What can they build from what they have? But also, mm. what are Mercedes and Ferrari doing? Knowing that both those teams are going and kind of almost ripping up, you know, what they've got and starting again. Now, if they make huge gains over over the winter, uh, then Red Bull could be in trouble in the constructors next year if Perez is performing on this level. I still think that Red Bull are going to have a big enough advantage to make that work, mm. and then you know they, they can look into the driver market um, for 2025 because. Next we'll year, 2024, 2024, I mean, if you put Daniel Ricciardo in that seat, look, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Ricciardo given another shot right at the front, but... I'm not sure he's actually ready right now to go in there. I think he'd be much better off. Against this uh, version of Max Verstappen? Exactly, exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's asking I mean, he, a lot he, of he, anybody. He struggled already, you know, um, back back when they were teammates. So I'd much rather see him get a full season under his belt at the junior team. That would be the more, you know, sensible thing to do. Then you make a call. Plus you have the, all the other options coming up, you know, the likes of Lando Norris run out of contract at McLaren. And so um, I, I think, you know, it does still – there is still – some sense to keeping Perez there. But yeah, it's all about how big a buffer Rebel are gonna have next year. And they won't know that until testing starts and then they'll start to get an idea.
0: Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance.
3: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Let's talk next year. We're going to preview this weekend to close out the show, but we already know the results for this season. Max wrapped up the drivers. Red Bull has already wrapped up constructors. But we've seen McLaren, to your point, make phenomenal gains to the point where they felt Lando felt, hey, we could have won two races last time out in Qatar. Mercedes and Russell said, we felt we had the pace. So when you look towards the remainder of the year, we've already seen Ferrari, the lone team that has broke Red Bull's streak. But who is their toughest competition moving forward for next year? Or should we expect more Red Bull dominance? Well, I think you'd have to say McLaren right now, just the trajectory they've been on,
1: the fact that the concept went, Towards what Red Bull have done, it's the whole "if you can't beat them, join them" type thing. <laughs> They've got two great drivers there, who are, I think, Piastri is getting the most out of Norris. But that's this is where this is where going to next year are in a really great position because you've got three teams there, and they all you could make a case for all of them being mm-hmm. being the one. Obviously, the, the the caveat to it all is Red Bull are also making gains on their side, <laughs> and we know they're a pretty damn good team. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I would say McLaren at this point, but you know, Mercedes they're really stung from where they've been you know and the the struggles they've had this year um lewis hamilton wants that chance to win that eighth and beat max to like take a title off of max after 21 so i think if you were
2: putting it in order it'd be mclaren mercedes ferrari but
1: lawrence might have a different
2: take yeah i'd I'd actually put mercedes ahead of mclaren because they aren't that far apart from each other at the moment Mm. in terms of performance but mercedes have a bunch of stuff on this car locked in just in terms of the way the chassis is designed, suspension pickup points, all sorts of stuff that they cannot change because, um, you know, changing a chassis mid-season is one extremely expensive on the budget cap. And even in under non-budget cap seasons, you'd rarely do it. So they know a bunch of stuff that, that they can they can get. And they've also learned this year, just from adapting what was a fundamentally flawed starting point, they've been able to unlock performance as well. So they're pretty confident that once they can change some of those bigger, Jigsaw pieces and get those in place. They're going to make a step. Now we've heard that before from so many teams in the history of Formula One, and it hasn't quite happened. But that's why my feeling is that you know next year, especially with just the resources and and what we know that team can do versus what I mean, what McLaren has done is is very very impressive. But I, I feel like McLaren is probably closer to its ceiling, and also they seem to have followed more of a of a Red Bull route. I think we're going to have a lot of cars looking like the Red Bull. But McLaren have done that, and when you're following a similar route, when very similar parts of the car are coming on, uh, sorry, you know, body parts are, are coming onto the car like four or five races later. You're always four or five races behind. And I feel like McLaren might struggle to, to close that gap, whereas the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari, Ferrari have made some big gains with their car, um, you know, just because of the size of those teams and the resources. I, I feel like actually going into next year, if I was going to put money on it, my money would be on them. I'm not going to give you odds, but my money would be on
0: Mercedes new floor this week? Is that, that what I read? Is that what I heard?
2: I, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't seen. I'm not breaking news. But the internet can be quite, quite, uh, quite possibly. Um, I mean, the, the only problem is now is that you're, if you're bringing parts to the car now, um, you're, you're limited gains. You know, because you've only got you know mm. these these handful of races left. Five, five, five races. There you go five, five years, yeah, this weekend. Slip of mine there, but yeah, yeah. F- f- five races left, and so you know what what, what you bring there. You know, it, it, unless you can directly transfer that onto next year's car. That development time and everything is actually better put just straight into next year's car. So um, I, I think the only one which we know is going to be a big change is Haas. Mm. They're, they're bringing a pretty substantial upgrade but that's because they've kind of got a little bit caught behind and the nature of their team and uh, farming bits out to Delara to produce, uh, that's just where they've ended up. So I'd be surprised if Mercedes have a major upgrade but yeah there's always little tweaks and stuff and they'll learn from that and that will all be going with a view to next year. And Lewis, he was very
1: Direct about it. He set the team. He set Mercedes that so we have to have the best six months development we've ever had since I've been here. And I think that that shows you where his expectations level level is at. And given Mercedes' history, you would you would back them to have that uh, you know to have that kind of that kind of off season. Just on Ferrari as well. Lawrence is absolutely right. They've they've been in a better place. I've been really impressed with if you compare Ferrari 12 months ago, the strategy is much better. The operation seems a lot better. So I think the drama is down. The they've turned right. yeah. the drama meter down. Way down. And as you <laughs> mentioned, they're the only team to beat Red Bull this year. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still a bit of a wild card in that mix, but things are much better there overall health-wise than they were. So I think if they can get themselves back in that position, Fred Vassar seems to have steadied the ship quite a bit. So I don't think we can write them off at all at this point.
0: Is it crazy to think that we're going on nearly two years now, almost, since Lewis Hamilton won his last race? Yeah, that is insane. I mean, if you'd, if you'd said...
1: I mean, th- that's the crazy thing. Abu Dhabi, when he lost that championship, if you'd said Lewis Hamilton, the last race was Saudi, he won't win for two more years after that. It would have seen him. Nobody went, yeah. And, and,
2: and in that time, technically, Max has won three titles. Yeah, he yeah, won twenty-one. Yeah. Obviously, after Lewis's right, yes. final win. And 22 and yeah. now 23
1: someone pointed this out as well if you if you'd gone back to the 2013 i think it was the spanish grand prix that fernando alonso won if you'd said by the way fernando's not winning for another 10 years can you imagine what that would have felt like at the time but it shows you how quickly things can turn around i'm
0: convinced lewis is going to win again but the way things are in formula one he might not and that is that is crazy to think with lewis is it a lewis thing is it a mercedes thing with the car is it a combination a little bit of both what, what has it well, been?
2: Well, I mean, the, the reason he's not winning, it is the car. Like, if, if you put Lewis in, in a Red Bull, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying... We had
0: this conversation last night, I, yelling at each other yeah. over the music at the yeah, bar. Right. Yeah. I
2: wonder what you guys were doing at
1: that
0: point. We were preparing for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: nice. So While well, you
0: were going down the slide, yeah, 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 that's
1: right. That, I, I mean, I, I I was definitely having the better the better it's time a v- at that
0: roll point. roll of hula hooping. <laughs> yeah, we have videos. Continue. Uh,
2: where was I? Okay, I just can't think of anything else than Nate, Lewis, you know, Lewis, Hamilton, now. Lewis Hamilton. So, so yeah, so yeah, you know, if you put Lewis, in, car, if, if you put if you said. put Lewis in a Red Bull, or let's say all of a sudden Mercedes are at Red Bull's level, then of course he's going to win races. So it, it's definitely it's definitely a, a Mercedes a Mercedes thing. But you do wonder with Lewis, you know, I mean, C- Qatar was maybe a bit of a one-off example, but um, that's not the kind of mistake you usually see Lewis make. Uh, you know, where he, we really did cut across his teammate. He's usually a very fair racer, gives space. And there's been a few kind of like little lapses. And I, I do wonder whether it's just the frustration of not having um, the, the car capable of, of, of going there and, and winning, which he's had for so long, all those years of dominance. And then it's kind of been taken away. And yeah, I, I do wonder whether that, that's got to him a little bit.
0: Tell me a little bit what you guys are reading, you guys are in the paddock, you guys have your sources. What does it feel like with Mercedes? It feels like there's, a, there's some tension there and that the pressure has ramped up. We, we saw it culminate with that first lap incident, then we saw the, the PR machine kick in and Mercedes tweet out the video of Lewis Hamilton apologizing. He took accountability for it but it, it feels like you have Russell who is very eager to, to go into that next phase of his career, which is potentially contending to be a champion. And you have Lewis Hamilton, who is very much not wanting to be put out into the pasture of his career. Nico Rosberg, who has been at the midst of that, has, has been out publicly and said that that Russell needs to assert himself more. What's your read right now internally what's going on with
1: Mercedes. It's a bit of deja vu I think a little bit to Lewis's first season at McLaren when with Fernando. And you you get this every so often when you put a great driver with a very promising young driver. And just to quickly flip it back to Red Bull, one of the things that as much as Perez's situation is a headache, they've not had to deal with their drivers crashing out of races and taking points off each other. They've got a driver who's losing points, but he's not costing the team points with both drivers. Mercedes have a completely different problem, maybe a good problem to have. I think it's one McLaren will end up having, where you have two drivers who are convinced they're better than the other one. You have Lewis who, as I agree with what Lawrence said, you know, I think we have seen some... So maybe cracks in Lewis's armor, you know, over the past year, year or so, just from that pressure and that frustration of not being where he wants to be. Russell clearly thinks he's a future world champion. I agree if he gets the car in the right place. So that together is a really difficult thing to manage. And you know, Lando and Oscar Piastri. I think you know, if if McLaren keep going well, eventually they're going to go into the, into into a corner at the same time and want the same bit of road, and we know what happens there. So I think there is tension. I do think that Lewis and George has a fundamental respect of each other there at the moment that we you know we saw lewis go and apologize to george after the incident in qatar
0: how quick can that go sideways
1: it can go sideways really quickly and i think i think the key ingredient at the moment is they're not fighting for a championship as soon as you put that in there as soon as you have lewis v george and and red bull but there's a championship at stake i think all that stuff goes out the window because ultimately as much as these guys are teammates they're all drivers who want to win the championship, and that I think supersedes everything else.
0: No windows in Formula, it'd go out like a visor tear off. You know? <laughs> yeah, what, what's, your, yeah.
2: what's your take on Mercedes? No, that's right. So it's um, if, if there was a championship at stake, I, I think we'd, we'd be uh, would have a very different vibe between <laughs> those two drivers. But fair play to Mercedes for doing that, because not every yeah. team will put two uh, top-level drivers in together, and uh, you know that's that's very much a decision that uh, get, gets made at the top, and um, it kind of almost creates a vibe around the whole team and, 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 and what they want to do uh, with themselves. I think the other thing that Mercedes have struggled with is, is that for years they had this uh, no-blame culture. So if, if something went wrong, they didn't blame the person, they, they blamed the issue. And they found out how to get around it, and, uh, and that's how to no en- fun. En- Engineer their way out of it. Not <laughs> well, well, from our perspective, well, it's, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's also—it's very easy to do when you're winning. But, yeah. You know, when you're winning championship after championship, it's very easy to blame the issue and not the person. But then, all of a sudden, when you know you are a sizable chunk off uh, Red Bull, a team which you know only. Uh, two years ago, uh, three years ago that, you know, they were fighting for championships with. Um, it, there's a lot more pressure and, uh, and the vibe does change within the team uh, significantly. So it's a real test of that of that culture to see where they can come out of it. And the more years they spend in this kind of wilderness, just somewhere in between Red Bull and, and, and the rest of the field, I think, uh, you know, the more difficulties they're going to have um, maintaining that.
1: And managing it is 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 key. You know, if, even if you look at Mercedes with Rosberg and Hamilton, that was difficult. You had Horner struggle to deal with the Verstappen Ricardo issues. Mm-hmm. And that obviously eventually led to Ricardo leaving the team. So it really does complicate things internally. And I think that again, sorry, I keep bringing this back to Red Bull, but that's where the, that's where the discussion of Red Bull's second driver is interesting. Red Bull have talked about before getting Lando in there. I wonder, do they want that? They've got Verstappen in there. We know how Verstappen has kind of treated Perez. You know, he wouldn't even good give enough him to
0: win the championship almost. Yeah, almost. yeah,
1: oh. yeah. I wouldn't give, wouldn't, wouldn't move over to give Perez fifth position at the Brazilian year. Grand Prix. Yeah. So, like, how's he gonna, how's he gonna react to having a very, very good driver or a world class driver alongside him? Sometimes, some drivers, you just think, look, we don't need that, that dynamic. So, um, yeah, it it is, it does come with its flaws. But I think that if that's actually I think it supports Lawrence's point that Mercedes are right up there because they have two drivers who I still think if you were to strip the car away and just said who are the two best drivers, uh, the, the best driver pairing on the grid, hard to say that it's not Mercedes
0: right now. Max Verstappen, he may disagree. He, he well, came if, out if, and he if, talked if, about yeah. McLaren yeah, and what yeah. they have. So that, that takes me perfectly into the question. You guys have been around this sport for a long time. Is this as good of a driver's grid as we have had in the sport going back for a while. It it just seems like you look up and down the grid. Look at Williams. You have Alex Albon. We were talking about last night. There's a name that, gosh, I would love to see him in a Red Bull and see what he can do. But up and down the grid, it feels like there's not a lot of weak links out there.
2: No, there's really not. I I think, you know, that that has been been noted uh this year compared to previous years as you know th- there were stages when we would look at uh, look at the teams towards the back of the grid and this is in the last 10 years <laughs> and 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 you'd look at the two drivers and it would just be the amount of money they could bring yeah. into that team and the sponsor they could bring with them you know pastor maldonado brought money from venezuela for example into the lotus team when that was struggling and you know that the Instant after instant like that, and and you know, while some of those drivers were still very good, and people often bring up the example of Nicky Lauda, well, he was a pay driver when he first came into F1 because he raised money and brought it in, but um, but still, yeah, you know, you, you inevitably end up with with lower quality of driver. Whereas now, I think with um, the success of Formula One, the stability of of, of the teams uh, relative to where they've been previously, they can now go out and pick and pick top talent. And uh, if you look at someone like Logan Sargent, I mean, I think Sargent is actually a very good driver compared to other drivers we've had in the last 10 years you know mm-hmm. he's he, he, he is decent but he's uh, he's been showing up a bit and and Williams haven't renewed that contract yet they haven't confirmed him yet for uh, for next year because uh, they do seem to have that flexibility to you know to, to decide and if someone like Felipe Drogovic who won F2 uh, last year when Sargent was racing against him so you know beat Sargent to that title uh, you know if, if he can be unlocked from Aston Martin then he could be a viable option there so you know th- the fact that a seat like that where previously a team like Williams would probably just be going for whoever could bring the most money they're now actually sitting back thinking who's the best quality driver we can put in there.
0: I'd have to look it up it's in my phone but maybe one of you knows it off the top of your head if Sargent were to be brought back it would be the first time that we had every driver back going back I believe over over a decade plus, it's not happening yeah, in a no, long time. No yeah. We were looking wrong. that up, and we couldn't. We, 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 we were have, really you know, struggling to get find so yeah, yeah. Geared up about silly season and whatnot, but we could have that port over. So, answer my question first before I have one more question for y'all. But as strong as the grid's been in a long time, completely agree.
1: And I mean to use a different, probably the other driver on the grid who's struggling away from Perez and Sargent, Stroll. <laughs> You know, Stroll,
0: obviously, if you look Talked at about
1: that last night, it, too. We, <laughs> did, we did. But, I mean, Stroll, to his defense, there's been points in his career when he has looked okay. You know, he has... There's been flashes from him. The problem is now, I don't think you can be a driver that shows flashes. His issue, as well, is obviously he's at a team where his dad owns the team he's come from a lot of money
0: a lot of drama there last week too absolutely but i think around the formula one paddock
1: but it wouldn't surprise me if, if you put stroll into a different series and he was competitive i don't think i don't think it's a case that stroll is in there i'm not sure if stroll deserves to be in the seat he's in I in fact i, I say i'm not sure i don't think he deserves to be in the seat he's in but that doesn't mean he's a bad driver and lawrence is right i mean there used to be days when we had you know Max Chilton and stuff, and and you looked and you thought, Ooh. is this guy, you know, is this guy really, you know, I mean, led led the Indy 500 for a long time. When I went to watch that, but I I think he's found his level more away from Formula One. Um, and yeah, it and the 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 driver market has actually been fascinating because it feels like it's all simmering to next year and 2026 yeah. when obviously there's huge changes. And um, I think that. Teams really have an abundance of options at the moment. I mean, even if you look at Haas, they've got Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hulkenberg. Might not be the flashiest driver pairing, but that is a solid lineup now in Formula One. And a lot of teams, you know, five, ten years ago, would have done anything to get that kind of pairing into the into the team.
2: The, the, the only slight problem now is that it's so hard for rookies to come through and yeah. and basically get seat time in a Formula One car because we've got so many restrictions on testing. Uh, okay, they've opened up uh, first practices a bit, but still, it, it feels like. Um, drivers in F2 to really show what they can do. You know, if you look at Lewis before he started at uh, McLaren, he got more testing mileage, I think, any other driver previously because testing was pretty much unlimited back then. Yeah. And so that, that does create a bit, of a bit of a barrier, which I think is why we have some of these slightly older drivers. But, but with that does come a certain quality and, uh, and standard. And, yeah, it's definitely up
0: there. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. Yeah, we've heard a lot of news recently about the F1 Academy, when you talk about younger drivers, we heard Lewis Hamilton come out, the, the big word's been dilution, you talk about the driver pool here in America, potentially putting another team on the grid, the mm. potential to add two more drivers on the grid and give an opportunity to two more drivers, everybody seems to have a take, Andretti, on the grid, what's your guys' take? For well, against, yes. Oh,
1: massively for it. I think it I think it'd be great for Formula One. Um I think that you know Everybody who grew up watching Formula One in the in the nineties and two thousands, you were used to big grids. The diff the diff, difference then to now is that a lot of those teams would come and go very quickly. <laughs> yeah. They weren't they weren't the most They'd be solid. There one weekend yeah, the next. quite sometimes that, that quite literally. Austin, I believe, what
0: was it, twenty thirteen?
1: That's right. Yeah, they, yeah. The
0: two teams had gone into administration. Yeah, and, and here we are. <laughs> my first
1: season covering it, there was you know teams literally just disappearing at the end of the <laughs> season. So I mean, you know, that's one of the concerns the team have. But being in Qatar, this was the big talking point two weeks ago. And the teams fundamentally, they don't get a vote in the Andretti situation. Obviously, the FIA has put Andretti forward and has said, we think they have everything they need to be a long-term team on the grid. The F1 teams don't get a vote in that, but they're very opposed to that. And I think that's shaping uh, F1 management's kind of opinion on that as well because there's still a very lukewarm uh, feeling on this. It was so motorsport.com, I think, did a did a a survey a fan survey recently 83% of fans said they wanted to see an 11th team on the grid so at the moment you've got teams very much against what a lot of fans would say is in the best interest of formula 1 you know it's more eyeballs it would bring general motors and cadillac in not as engine builders but as as you know as a, as a partner and a serious Still partner a very to a big team name to have absolutely to
0: the biggest portion of motorsport yeah
1: and in a season when Audi's also coming in as well and we've got Ford coming in with Red Bull as well so a time when Formula 1's welcoming all these things in very difficult to see the situation and not actually agree with what Michael Andretti said quite clumsily because it didn't really endear him to f1 teams but he said the other teams were basically against him because of greed you know he said they're they're trying to protect their bo- you know their bottom line they're trying to protect their teams financially and at the moment it's difficult to it's difficult to disagree with them on that so, as the sport continues to add more races yeah and i look and i would love to see it but at the moment it seems very unlikely that's going to be the case but i hope i'm wrong um but yeah the the yeah that's what the, the sounds in the paddock are anyway thumbs
0: up thumbs
2: down where you at Um, uh, Look, in principle, I'd love to see an extra team on the grid. I'd love to see Andretti on the grid. But I I think there is, you know, there is something to be said about making sure that all the numbers add up and that with the amount of money that is floating around in F1 and also with predictions that aren't based on continuous growth that we've seen, you know, in previous years. If it does flatline a bit, I mean, if Max continues to dominate, then there's going to be less eyeballs watching F1, less money coming into it. And so I think you do have to be a little bit careful to make sure that you have healthy teams because we talk, go back to all, you know that time when there were lots of teams on the grid. As you correctly said, there was a lot of teams falling off the grid because there simply wasn't the money to support them. That was great fun, though. <laughs> well, From our it, perspective, it, well, It's yeah. not great not fun for, if you've got a you know, yeah. yeah. you What if you're know, a fan you're, of the team? In oh.
1: That's yeah. true. I didn't mean fun for the
2: people. I don't think you want to go back to back to those days and then you have to ask well you know what would one extra team add would, would it be significant would it make sundays that bit more exciting i don't know but but the, the andretti package i think is as strong as you will find so if there is at all an it's argument going for to a be team it should definitely be there, i think um so yeah we'll, we'll see how it pans out but um but I think you do have to be, um, yeah, a, a little bit careful with the F1 ecosystem, especially as the ten teams that exist were told basically, um, you know, you're entering a franchise model under the last Concord yeah. agreement. You are going to be the ten teams. We're going to bring the wealth up of everybody. You're going to have a budget cap imposed on you, and they all agreed on it because it was the business model they were signing up to. And now that business model is uh, potentially changing.
1: And also, also just on that as well, one of the one of the big bits of opposition to this, is. The anti-dilution fee Andretti would pay right. is two hundred million. There's that dollars. word, yeah. <laughs> and and great segue earlier with that, by the way. Um, F1 team that was agreed in 2020. F1 teams now feel that's massively undervalued yeah. for what, for what the current teams are worth. Absolutely. I mean Alpine, you know, given the investment they had this year, they feel the valuation of that team is around nine hundred million dollars now. You know the 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 maths in that. You know you could you could argue if it's how accurate that is, but that's clearly a lot more than 200, 200 million. So the teams feel, hey, Andretti can't just come in here and spend that money and then suddenly have an asset that's worth right. nearly four it's times great that. great investment. Yeah, and and one thing we heard a lot in Qatar as well from Gunther Steiner, from James Vows, I mean, even um, Vassar said it as well, the Ferrari boss, he said in COVID, a lot of teams were on their knees. They were nearly out of business and they yeah. feel like they waded through the bad times of Formula One and they're now being rewarded with this great you know, time that they've got. So you can understand where the Formula 1 teams are coming from but as a fan it's frustrating to see
0: That's, it's why you wore your sports hat you talk yeah, Alpine yeah. the big news this week for Alpine some big names in sports from sports being ta- yeah, you wear the generic sports hat you can just be a generic sports fan but Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs Travis Kelsey who some of you may know as Taylor Swift <laughs> other album, half lo- yeah. lo- love interest Rory McIlroy yeah, other yeah. big names on, on your side of the pond
1: what well, does this mean is Travis Kelsey putting Alpine on the map Travis, Taylor Swift put him on the map, but now is he putting Alpine on the map? I don't so know how that what works. you're
0: saying is that uh, Taylor Swift may be in the Alpine seat uh, next year. I mean, year. <laughs> all she needs to do
1: is turn up in the paddock, and suddenly Alpine's everyone's oh wow, that'd be something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
0: I, did the Chiefs play this week? I think they're on their bye, aren't they? No, then well, I hope not because I've got Kelsey in my fantasy team currently oh, in the Titan position. That would be something—a Kelsey Swift sighting on the oh. the grid. Well, you'd have you'd, you'd have get the interview. Several
1: million more Alpine fans overnight <laughs> suddenly. So maybe that's not the not the, uh, the, the worst
0: idea. Uh, yeah, but you know, it just goes to the point of there's so much attention on our sport right now, yeah. and and you know, from and it's a good thing, but. It's that fine line, that balance between sustainability and growth. Mm-hmm. To your point as well, those teams that have weathered the storm, that have been there through the the darker days. But I think, to the point that we we made with the drivers, you'd love to see more drivers, more opportunity, a woman driver on the grid. We, we've seen yeah. Aston Martin go out there, and and you know, and it's there is so much talent out there that, think on the sum, it's going to be a good thing. Another team. With more drivers.
1: When Lewis made that point in Qatar as well, and then he, he kind of backtracked because he said I wasn't supporting Andretti's bid. Yeah. <laughs> I was supporting the concept of eleventh team and two extra seats, <laughs> like you said. The abstract. Um, yeah, which I mean, and and yeah, there is that, but but at the same time, you know, if if there is a female driver who's the right driver, hopefully it doesn't need an extra two seats. If the right if the right, right. female is there, it should be that she gets a, 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 a whether it's twenty seats, eighteen seats, sixteen seats. You'd hope that she'd get it on merit at this point anyway, right? So that could be a counter argument against that but um, but yeah we'll see i mean it does doesn't seem like it's going to happen unfortunately at the moment just on the on the growth of formula 1 my one fear with andretti if they get rejected and let's say this boom period ends quite quickly you do worry are formula 1 going to be at a entice a General Motors and a Cadillac in four, five, Now's six years' time. time. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, um, what's the phrase? You make hay while the sun's shining? You know, there is part of that. I think that's right. I don't know if I've butchered that, that odd saying. But um, but so, you know, you've got to consider that because five years down the line, it might be that those those companies yeah. are looking at F1 being like, actually... We don't want to get involved. Stronger
0: brands, the bigger names you you bring in, if you are to whether, you know, any obviously the growth, is it sustainable, but it makes you better for the long run. Mm. Above all else, the sport has to be
2: competitive. And that's the one thing it's not at the moment. Yeah, Um, I think, you know, that is that is the biggest thing. And would Andretti come in and compete with Red Bull? Would they do any better job than anybody else? No. So So the problem F1 has to solve right now, at least I don't think they would unless they have something very special up their sleeve. The problem F1 needs to face right now is is how you make sure you have competitive seasons. Because, you know, fans just... When you've got 24 races in a year, we've got next year. If Max has won it again with seven races, six races remaining... It's just you know it, it's just not worth tuning in. No, Which, no one wants to tune in when they know the result right, already. You, so, so, so we can you know we do all this window dressing, talk about all this kind of stuff. But that is that's the biggest thing F one needs needs to address. And if it can address that, then there is absolutely space for more teams and everything because you can bring in more competition. But it needs to find a way of uh, of, of tightening the uh, competitive order in slightly. And my concern is that what gave us this situation we have now was a big regulation change in 2022. Well, guess what? The next big thing on the horizon in F1 is 2026 big regulation change. So you could have, you know, the tables turned maybe, but still a team ahead. So I think that's that's what F1 fundamentally needs to address. If it's going to continue to grow and be able to sustain you know, whatever it be, an eleventh team. Hopefully, a female there's driver. There's a word at some point. for
0: that here on on this side of the pond. You see it in the NFL, see it in the NBA. We talk parity. There, there's so many ways that they seek to have parity to get teams close to one another to try to put some semblance of of competitive balance, but. Also, sports fans do like domination, and and to your, you know, your your top level F one fan, maybe right now, if you're you're new on the American side, yes, you can look at it and say, oh, well, it's Red Bull dominance. Why do I want to watch again? But there are so many great storylines for the remainder of this year. Once you take off that top layer, which obviously is impossible to do, Max Verstappen's dominance, winning every race, he's he's now going to break the record for laps led, but storylines for the remainder of the year. We said five races left, including this weekend. What for for both of y'all is the biggest storyline remaining to be determined for this season?
1: I would still say that I think we've we've touched on the Perez situation, I'd say that's big. and it all hinges around that second position of the championship. But on that, you're right. There are, there are storylines away from from the top. But I do wonder how many fans actually find that that interesting. You know, you win. They a should. Lot of fans, it's they great. Should.
0: It's a great season. They should take out also, Max, and it would be one of the best seasons ever.
1: Problem is, you can't take Max. out. <laughs> no, That's no the you issue. Cannot. You know, and and I think, um, you know, a lot of fans came in. On the Netflix hype, they saw an incredible first season in 2021. A lot of people, and F1 hasn't quite lived up to that. So I agree with mm-hmm. what Lawrence said. Uh, I'd say the biggest story is Perez, Andretti, um, and whatever random uh, investigation the FIA opens up uh, this week into Lewis or someone We're walking else. across the track, walking across the <laughs> track, <laughs> backwards, yeah, 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 the wrong yeah. type of shoes. <laughs> Lewis should just start doing that at every race, just parking up and walking across the track. I think. But I'll leave it. I'll leave it with story Lawrence for the Biggest storyline.
2: Oh no! I mean, uh, well, Nate still knew, wasn't he? But, Sorry, but I just said okay. three. You asked me for one. <laughs> yeah. I do this on the
1: pod all the time. Katie will ask me a uh. question. I'm like, well, it's probably one of these ten things. Yeah, <laughs> um, Lawrence
2: has got nothing left. Uh, but Andretti, I, I think, it is is big because it's a big political power game between the FIA and Formula One as well. So if you are interested in, you know, if you are interested in sports politics, you know. You, F1 is fantastic and it is abundant with, with these great stories. But um, I think for a lot of people, you know, if you tune in on a Sunday, it's quite hard to get your head around the, uh, the history of the FIA and Formula 1 and who owns yeah. what and when the lease expires that F1 has on commercial rights. You know, I mean, you have to get into the weeds a bit. And I think that's, that's what, the drama that, that, there's drama there, but you have to go looking for it. And I think a lot of people would just rather have a straight up fight, wheel to wheel racing like we had in 2021. That was exactly what F1 should be about.
0: So will we see any of that this weekend? Let, let's do predictions for the race here. Max Verstappen would be going for a career 50th win if he can secure a victory here in Austin. What do you guys see happening at Coda? I see him doing it. I mean, we've, our
1: predictions have become quite routine at this point. We just say Max every week. Okay, so who? It, max wins. I max think we wins. can all agree
0: that Max wins. Who finishes second?
1: I think Lando. Wow! Yeah, so out. no Checo, no Checo, uh, and I'm going to be controversial and put Lewis third. I don't think I think Perez is done. I think he's you know cooked. I'd love to see him on the podium. I don't think it's going to happen. So I would say Max, Lando, Lewis. I don't
2: think that's controversial at all. No, <laughs> no, it's no, very similar <laughs> to what um, I was I'm going to mix it up a bit uh, because I think we didn't quite see what Mercedes had to offer in oh. Qatar. Um, I've seen McLaren why and, and then what we did see of George coming back through the field was actually mighty impressive yeah, that's true So um, and I uh, you know, so I feel like alright just to mix it up a tiny bit I'll go for George Russell second. and oh. Piastri third nice Give Give and Who's first way. who's first for you? Well, yeah, uh, I've got to think about it right now. Max. <laughs> yeah.
0: Give me Max Checo Lando Nice. Okay. Yeah, the, the Czechoslovakian. I mean, yeah, I, I you, think Checo, yeah, yeah, so, he, so, so. I, I, I just think he's experienced enough. He, he I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the yeah. doubt. I think he can tap into yeah. that and the energy here, knowing that hey, whether he retires or not, these next two weeks can be a big part of his legacy. And if he wants to retire and he says I'm done with this, he's a family man. I get second. You could ride out into the sunset. Take your take your check. That helmet, Marco's going to sign. Watch him sign it <laughs> and move
1: on. <laughs> just. Just so we're clear, because a few weeks ago Lawrence missed out. Oh yes, I think you made his prediction. Yes, yours are now for Katie. So we're going to make that that's executive right. call. Yeah, Is that, yes. that's what we're happy with right. that. So Good. Kate, Good. Katie
0: will be in, I think, later tonight. So yeah. Well, we'll she, see if she agrees with you first yeah. of all, but I think that's a
1: solid, <laughs> solid bit. Yeah,
0: she will jump in, and we'll have tons of coverage for the USGP here at COTA here in a beautiful, sunny Austin, Texas. The weather's been amazing. Been you guys great. are going to enjoy yourselves, aren't you?
1: Yeah. The, so I joke there's there's a there's a certain temperature I call Nate weather, and yeah. we're just above it at the moment. So I'm going to struggle a little bit, but no, Austin's great for the weather.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to enjoy ourselves. Make sure stay tuned to all of ESPN, our digital channels, social channels as well, so you can get plenty of. Information, guys. Any final thoughts before I send it out? No, just repping Austin, repping sports. <laughs> yeah, loving it. Uh,
2: Lawrence, anything more? Yeah, tune in. it's a great, it's a great race. no matter what, like even if Max is is, is some way down the road, yeah, uh, you'll see some good racing further back. So yeah, yeah. Sure weather,
0: weather's going to be beautiful. So and a sprint weekend as well. Those, you know, those weekend you, as got, well. So plenty of mention? action mm. that we get on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So keep it locked with us. We'll we'll go get ourselves ready for Dakota Tower, Lawrence, Nate, Tyler. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you later this weekend.